Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. The tooth fairy often forgets to come to my house. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Some mom is killing herself, putting me off on the shelf in a block of ice. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Don't do that. Waste of time. Travel soccer. Who cares? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. We do what we need to do for Christmas magic. Do what we need to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about holiday traditions. Holiday traditions. <laughs> Beware <laughs> the holiday tradition. <laughs> there's there's some that are good. There's some that, I, I, I hesitate to say bad, but there are sort of the wish I never started this, but here I go because I must. And I recently uh, posted on the Facebook page about our accidental holiday tradition. Exactly. Was, this is where I got the idea that we should do an episode on this. So tell us. This is where it all yeah. started. Mm-hmm. So years ago, maybe four years ago, I have a kid who's Christmas crazy. I mean, all my kids are Christmas crazy, but my oldest guy loves the decorations. Like he runs down, he's 10 now, and he still every morning runs down, turns on the tree, And he's like, can I just look at the tree one more time before school? Like he loves the decorations. He's way into it. And so several years ago, we always travel for Thanksgiving. So we have family in Texas and we have family in Chicago. And so those are kind of alternates, but we always travel. And he kept asking me all November, when are we decorating for Christmas? And I said, we're decorating for Christmas as soon as we get home from Thanksgiving. Can you spot my mistake? (laughs) And so then we flew home from... Chicago, I think it was. And we landed at like 7 p.m. on a Sunday night. And he's like, great, let's get out the boxes and start decorating. And I realized he had thought the entire time, like as soon as we get on like the whole plane ride, he's like, and then we decorate for Christmas. And yes, I know what you're thinking. I could have just said, no, no, that's not what we're doing. But I had just set him up for it so clearly. And so we ended up decorating for Christmas entirely at like eight o'clock at night on a Sunday night after returning from Thanksgiving day travel. And I have since readjusted the expectations that like, first of all, we don't fly and get home at 10 o'clock at night, but I have readjusted to the point like, okay, we're not going to decorate the very night we get home, but the next day we're doing it. That's our family tradition now. And I can't get out of it. 
as soon as we get home, you need to amend it to say like, you know, as soon as shall be construed to mean 36 hours, right? No, no sooner. Right. After consulting with my attorney, I have adjusted my position to say that under section three of the code, as soon as shall henceforth be known as as soon as possible. But we do. I mean, all of our Christmas decorations are up. We're done. This time of year is so full of considering, because I am so on the other side of the spectrum, our decorations have been sitting in several Tupperware containers in my living room for two weeks. And we have a fake tree. It's up. It's like crooked. Nobody's even sort of judged the branches to make it look sufficiently realistic yet. And I'm sort of like, are we doing this this year? Like, I, I don't really need to do this. I guess I'll get in the holiday spirit. And I'm waiting for my once once your kids get older, I mean, they are busy. They aren't just all Scrooges. They are busy, but they are not. It changes when kids get a little older. And then you wonder, like, who am I really doing this for? Well, it's interesting because, like, my kids are 6, 8, and 10, and they are all in on Christmas, all in. But I know for, like, my mother-in-law was saying, like, she has no kids at home. They're traveling for the holidays. Like, what? Uh, you know, at a certain point when your kids are not quite as gung-ho gangbusters about it, it's like it becomes a little bit more chory. As you said, some of these traditions are accidental, like, well, we can't stop now. We we do these things every year, so we have to keep doing them. And you don't, but you feel like you do. And so this made us go to you guys on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. And we asked all of you, what are the holiday traditions that you love and which work great for your family? And what are the things you'd rather never do again, but you feel like you can't stop now? And those are the yeah. ones we're going to start with. Let's start with those, the terrible ones, of course. I right? like it. <laughs> but we should say, this is kind of like, you know, like the Main Street Parade at the Magic Kingdom. We're going behind the gate that it says no guests beyond this point. We're going, we're going behind the scenes of the holiday magic, if you see what I'm saying, Margaret. I do, but let me clarify for our listeners. We're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of the holidays. And if you have little ones who are listening with you, who you do not want to expose to some of the machinations of this whole thing, you should not listen with your kids. If you don't want to see what's just behind the fence that's around the corner from the magic shop on Main Street after, you know, the Little Mermaid float makes the turn. See what I'm saying? We're just not. So yeah, you might want to. We got it. We're all over. We got it. We got it. Okay. So <laughs> the first holiday tradition that we wish we never started, but somehow have. I like this one. It's my sister, Molly's. And she does a tip of the hat to the scams that help our kids prepare for Christmas by getting more gifts ahead of time thing. Like, when did this become a thing? My oldest came home from pre-K, she says, talking about how St. Nicholas will leave a treat in your shoes if you put them out on his feast day, which is December 6th. And she feels that this should be an either or situation to Christmas, but somehow it's become an also. And she's got four little boys with four pairs of shoes lined up in the hallway. And she's got to find like a present to put in their shoes. Let me just be clear to you people. There is no either or Christmas is happening. And so there is no, it's always an and always. It is always an and. And so once you add the St. Nicholas day on December 6th and you got to find something that's tiny enough to put in their shoes, but also exciting, then you're kind of stuck with it. And I am wary of like the school, like this kid learned about this at school, my nephew, right? He came home all about St. Nicholas. P.S. Now she has to explain to him 
Cause he's like, well, wait, wait, St. Nicholas comes on December 6th. So then who's Santa? And she's like, you know, search me. I have no idea, but I got nothing. Yeah, they're not giving her the backstory support that she needs. When we're talking about holiday traditions that other people tell your kids about and you resist, I'm just going to go straight to the deep end, Amy. And I'm going to talk about Elf on the Shelf. Okay. I'm going there. I mean, you know, he's out there. You know, we're going to talk about him and I'm just going to get to him right now. We have a whole section of Elf on the Shelf. Oh, I mean, like so many of the comments, of course, were about Elf on the Shelf. And here's the thing. I am very charmed by Elf on the Shelf. I like to see all the clever things. I just saw one that there was like an Elsa doll pointing at the elf and he was encased in ice. I like the cleverness. I applaud. I salute. I bow before all of you people who are doing the elf on the shelf, but that elf is never coming in my house. Absolutely. Do you know, I had to look it up this morning just to be sure. I mean, the elf on the shelf was not a thing, people, until fairly recently, depending on how you term recently. It came out in 2004. So it's not in my house because, you know, we had eight Christmases before there was such a thing. So who cares? Yeah, no, he came out before I had kids. So I definitely have always been aware of Elf on the Shelf, but I don't, I think he peaked, you know, his popularity wasn't immediate. Like, I feel like maybe 2010 was about when he really came into vogue. And then by that time, exactly, I'd had a couple Christmases without him and I'm like, we're not doing it. I feel like the Elf on the Shelf has certainly been, its spread has been hastened by social media because yeah, like some mom is killing herself to put Elsa putting the elf on the shelf in a block of ice and her kids like, oh, great, like for 10 seconds on Wednesday morning. And so then you have to put it on social media so you can get the proper accolades that are due to you for the hour and a half it spent you to do that. And so my Facebook feed, I feel like throughout December is just full of crazy elf on the shelf stuff that, I mean, I feel like it's well avoided for me, but but also like enough, enough. With, I, I, I'm enough with the elf on the shelf secondarily at this point. I know it is beyond me as a person and a parent to do something every night. Like, I know that's not going to happen. As evidenced by the fact that one of our traditions is the advent calendar, accidental tradition, the Star Wars Lego advent calendar, in addition to the regular advent calendar. And so my sister-in-law, I think, before I had kids, gave me a beautiful wooden advent calendar. There's like a little figure in every day and then you put a little piece of candy in. And we have really enjoyed doing the advent calendar every night. We gather around. It's like pretty corny, like a lot of Christmas traditions. We sing away on a manger, away in a manger, I suppose is what we sing. (laughs) And then we put the thing on the thing. Last night, so it starts December 1st and then it goes to the 24th, which... Catholics know it's not exactly, it doesn't exactly line up with the liturgical advent calendar, but fine. We do it as the countdown. And last night we did one through four. Cause of course we hadn't started it. We forgot. Like we're always doing it. We're always doing four or five a night. My advent calendar is still in the Tupperware bin, but my, again, my kids are teenagers. So your kids are like, they, like it's December 1st. Their, their, their electric excitement can already barely be contained. Right. Like your kids can stop on the way home and buy themselves candy. My kids are like, we get a Rolo if we do this. We will sing away at a manger. It's fine. So your advent calendar, see, I'm all for advent calendars if you can, and I have one, but if you get the ones that are preloaded for you, like we have a, we have a Fisher Price one where you just put like a little, like you take a little lamb or wise man or something out of the pocket. And then you sort of Velcro it into position on a sort of 
pastiche and nativity scene and that, yeah, that's not really cutting it for a high school sophomore, but it was pretty exciting. (laughs) No, he's not that into that. Not that into I feel having grown up on like the fighting each other tooth and nail for the like paper advent calendar that had the absolutely inedibly disgusting chocolate in the middle that we still fought over like animals. I feel there has to be food involved in the advent calendar. So ours has little hutches and then I put a Hershey's kiss or a Rolo or something in every single one, because I feel that theologically an advent calendar should not exist without chocolate inside of it. Marianne, our listener said that she wishes she never started the advent calendars. She says when they were little, I had fun finding free or super cheap used books for each night. That got old when chapter books were the norm. It has turned into purchased Lego and Playmobil sets. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's bonkers. And this is the thing, like the ramp up on all these things, you just cannot overestimate. And that's the thing. Years ago, I want to say three or four years ago, my mom was shopping and saw Lego advent calendars. They're like these... People made me even know oh, that yeah. they're Star yeah. Wars Legos. And she bought one for my kids and my sister's kids because very thoughtfully, she was like, your kids love Legos. They love Star Wars. They will love this. And now every single year, my kids are like, we have to have a Lego advent calendar. It's part of the tradition. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I hear my own voice being like, you could just say no. And I feel like for when listeners ask me, I'm like, just say no, don't do that. Tweet, tweet, forget about it. But for some reason with Christmas traditions, I have a lot of trouble getting out, well, getting out clean. I feel like the Lego advent calendar, I'm going to put that in the acceptable column because I mean, how much do they cost? They cost about $30, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they cost, but like it's a little more crap in your house and it's a incremental spend, but you were not like making a Lego figure every night. You know, you're not staying up late, rendering it into something, an adorable surprise for when they come down the stairs every morning. Oh, no, that that is a tradition I resist. And it's mostly just because I know from other traditions, such as the tooth fairy, that the tooth fairy often forgets to come to my house. So any elf or thing that had to be magically rendered nightly. I mean, even friends of mine who are celebrating Hanukkah right now, I'm like, how do you do that every night? Every oh. night. My friend Sarah, she celebrates Hanukkah, and she was just telling me this week, so she has a three-year-old son, Ben, and eight nights, okay, it's not 25 of an advent calendar, but eight is, you know, that's plenty, and he gets toys, he gets Hot Wheels, things like that, and then she tried to give him some flashcards a couple days ago because, you know, now it's an educational gift. The toy baseline had been established, and then she comes in with, like, flashcards, and he's like where's the toy? No, right. on this is we get unacceptable toys. Right. He was like, he was enraged with that. Like flashcards would be day three's gift. And so, she, so she was like, how do I sort of roll back that it's a toy thing? And then it's more a special little sign. I, I don't know. How do I roll back is a question for the ages. How do I roll back? And I'm trying to do that in my house right now. I have something I wanted to say before we broke about the elf on the shelf. Because I think of it as a like, phew, glad I don't do that. But, you know, I love to do my research. And I'm going to quote Professor Laura Pinto about the Elf on the Shelf. I can't believe you're bringing a professor into holiday traditions. I, I respect, Amy. I respect. Know. But I love this. I don't necessarily agree with this, but I love that she's out there. She is very anti-Elf on the Shelf. Professor Laura Pinto suggests that the Elf on the Shelf conditions kids to accept the surveillance state and communicates to children that it's okay for other people to spy on you and you're not entitled to privacy. 
Oh, tweet, tweet, professor. I, I don't care about she's that. She's dedicating her life to that. So if you want to, if you want to make yourself feel better about not doing up on the shelf when your friends are or your sister is or whatever, just tell yourself that that Professor Laura Pinto says it's it's surveillance state and because uh, we don't want to live in a better surveillance yeah. state. That seems a little bridge too far for me. All right, we have to break. We have so much to say about this. We'll be right back. Margaret, exciting news! I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro <laughs> aunt at this yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating 
and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Okay, we're back. You know, your Hanukkah story made me think of like another tradition that I am trying to get rid of in my life is the 86 million gifts Mm. and the large family giving too many gifts and all the gifts kind of being a ton of plastic horror. We have done something that helps with this with the cousins that we've gone down to a secret Santa. So there's 14 cousins. So that, that helps when you have a large group of kids. But each cousin gives to one other cousin and then you can spend a little more and you still got to be like texting back and forth. Like, what do they want? Especially for the older kids, but you have to buy one, not 14. I love that tradition because we've done the same thing and I've kind of forcibly implemented it in my in-laws, but just the everyone exchanging like the $25 scarf or gag gift kind of, because you're trying to, it's like pull the money, get one nice thing for every person rather than having it just become the great junk exchange of like, this is all I could really afford for $20 because I had to buy 40,000 presents. Or the great gift card exchange, which I always just find like so dispiriting. I feel like it makes me sad. (laughs) Here's your $25 iTunes card. Here's your $25 Olive Garden card. Like, yeah, it's just like, why are we running through this exercise? It got to that point with the, the adults in my husband's family. And then everybody was sort of like, all right, let's just leave this. Let's just leave this here in the road. I think we're done yeah, with exchanging put, gift cards. Let's just put this baggage down. Yeah. And the other thing I have started doing is going through and kind of ranking the presents because the Hanukkah thing made me think of it. Like the problem of like your kids have opened all their presents and it's like, there's one present left and it's always the socks, you know? Yes. So I've tried to number the presents a little <laughs> bit. So it's like, you open socks. All right, that wasn't exciting, but that still means something good is out there. Yeah, Because it's, oh, it's always such a sad thing when they're like, oh, I saved my present for last. And they open it, it's like briefs. And you're like, oh yeah, that, that's a hard way to end the day. Yeah, I am. I am always trying to, especially when you have, you know, Santa believers in your home and you're still trying to tip like, oh, why don't you open that long one and leave the really big one for last? You're trying to sort of, <laughs> exactly. hmm, I wonder what's telling me that you should not open that yet. Does it doesn't work. Back to our Facebook group, Heather says baking and decorating Christmas cookies is a favorite tradition making, oh, Heather, come to my house, homemade popcorn balls. Why do I love popcorn balls? This is so funny. Like you won't, I could eat a thousand of them. You won't love it once you hear what Heather has to go through to, to make them. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, popping corn, bringing homemade caramel to a rolling boil, dumping the popcorn and then buttering your hands before burning the heck out of them while forming snowball sized orbs of tooth pulling death. She can come to my house anytime. I'm not making them, but I would be very happy to eat these. That's so. She says there's a popcorn ball graveyard somewhere filled with like gross popcorn balls nobody wanted that she burned her hands to make. That's another thing. There's a famous, famous story in my family that my mom was hosting her first Thanksgiving and her mom said to her, oh, what are you serving? And she's like, oh, turkey stuffing, gravy. She goes through the whole list, rolls, veggies, green beans, you know. And her mom says to her, oh, you're not making cream white onions? (laughs) And my mom said, no, I wasn't planning on it. Apparently they're like some old Irish dish that's like extremely complicated and difficult. And 
my grandma was like, oh, it won't seem like Thanksgiving if you don't make cream white onions. And so my mom's like, all right. And she spends the hours and hours making cream white onions and then passing them around the table. And my grandmother's like, oh, no, thanks. I don't like those. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just a classic. Like, no, they're part of the tradition. You have to have them. And so my mom was like, nobody touched them. Like, apparently they're totally gross. This is the corollary to like the he who smelt it dealt it rule. Like he who brings up creamed white onions should make them. She has to make the creamed white onions, right? If you Yeah, want, but you I them. know this, this is, I'm telling a story myself, but like my family was way into Christmas growing up and it's some of my happiest memories. And like, we would gather the night before. I mean, we were so corny. We would gather the night before we would watch all the old Christmas movies and then we would get in the car together and drive around town and look at Christmas decorations. And then we would come home and all the kids would sleep in one room together. And when I say we did this until we were way into college. We it, At a certain point, we couldn't fit in one car. And we had two cars that went to look at Christmas decorations. And we bought walkie-talkies so the cars could keep in touch with each <laughs> other. And our handles were Spirit of Christmas 1 and Spirit of Christmas 2. I hope I'm making any of you who think you're dorks feel so much better because there were no bigger Christmas dorks than we were. And then we would all sleep together in one room. And my brother brought home his college girlfriend. And we were like, come on. Her, now his wife, my sister-in-law, Christy, who I talk about all the time, who gives us such good parenting advice. And I, we were like, come on, Christy. Now we all go in the bedroom and sleep together. And she was like, no, are you people insane? Like, we were way too old to be carrying on like this. And she was like, this seems a little creepy to me. And she wasn't wrong. The other thing that's like, it turns into creepy before you're realizing it is our, our listener Ramona said, this is the last year she's going to do the holiday cards with her kids. I don't know if this is an East Coast thing or if it's a United States thing or what, but like the holiday cards with the beautiful pictures of your kids is, you know, it's like a source of stress at the holidays and like we have to get the picture, we have to order the cards. And anyway, she says she's not going to do it anymore because her kids are 14 and she feels like cute pictures of her kids once they're older than 14 is like, it starts to get a little weird. I'm really glad you brought that up because I just took, and this I was addressing them this morning, my kids in matching Santa hats and Christmas PJs picture. And my 10-year-old was definitely starting to make some noise about it. Like, wait, why am I still dressing as Santa in front of the tree? But like, I can't let go. I, I'm, I'm all in. So you do a holiday card picture in holiday attire. I mean, guys, I'm a Christmas dork. Holiday Santa hats, Christmas jammies. I go all the way in. But yeah, like my 10-year-old is, when am I going to stop doing this? Like maybe when he's 40. I might be like having to call his wife and be like, could you just send him over for an hour? I have to put him in his Christmas jammies to get my picture. Like I'm never letting go. We still send out cards every year and we send out many, but I don't do a special photo shoot anymore. I get, I just sort of, because of course it's also different when you, have a, a six-month-old and your, your kid looks different in April than they do in, in November. My kids kind of look the same. They look different from card to card, but they kind of look the same in April as they do in November, if you see what I'm saying. so Yeah, yeah. They're not growing as rapidly. Yeah. yeah. We, we took a family photo in August when we were all on vacation together. And I, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, here it is. This is the this is the holly card. I love I love them. I love getting them. I love sending them. I'm Christmas crazy. Yeah, I love sending them too. I do have a lot of friends who are like, take that off your list, and you know who cares, and you don't need to do it, or send an e card. And I agree with that, but I do think people make it into a bigger job that it needs to be. Like I've, I have a spreadsheet that just 
exists. And if somebody sends me a card that says, you know, we have a new address, I change it on the spreadsheet. And then once a year, I print out the labels that are on the spreadsheet and put them on the cards. Like I'm, I'm not starting from scratch every year. And exactly zero people will be surprised to learn you have a spreadsheet that does this. So the spreadsheet was like hard once. And then it takes me 10 minutes every year to print the labels instead of, oh my God, I have to do the cards and I have to scrounge up everybody's addresses. Don't, don't do that every year. Do it once. If you don't want to, I'm speaking defensively. It's so funny <laughs> because every other episode of the podcast is me being like, don't do that. Waste of time. Travel soccer. Who cares? Nothing of this matters. Stop doing it. But for Christmas, I'm like, I like to handwrite the cards. Like I write something on every card. I go bonkers. I spend. I did stop doing that. Thousands of hours on Christmas. I like it though. That's the thing. I really enjoy it. I like making cookies. I like decorating the tree, although I don't like doing it at 10 o'clock at night when we just flew in from Chicago. I'm all in. Do you have ornament traditions? Both Emily and Marcy said that their tradition, and like again, this is very easy. They buy one ornament a year when they travel. They put it on the tree. And then when you decorate the tree, it's like, oh, remember our trip to Phoenix? You know, that you're these traditions. Again, that's incremental spend. You're not staying up all night to make an ornament. You're just buying one at the airport and it's, and it becomes a meaningful tradition. I'm all for that. Although I will say it's really hard to find ornaments sometimes. I was in Idaho this summer and we came up with like a keychain at the airport. So that's not, come on, Idaho, step up with the Christmas ornaments. Step it up, Idaho. <laughs> yeah, we, ours is very haphazard. And another break with this for some people is like, our tree is bonkers looking, but I, yep. I like that. It's like, it's our ornaments from my childhood. It's ornaments. Like I, I've ended up with random, I, they must've been on my parents' tree. Cause I have all my, my, my parents don't do a tree anymore. I have like weird ornaments with my nieces and nephews, baby pictures. Like they must've been gifts from my parents. We put them up. We're like, we don't care. We'll put that up. Like we put everything on the tree. Yeah. I sometimes get one when I travel, but that hasn't become a thing. That's like, okay, now we have to get the ornament. The only thing I do notice is that we have like six babies first Christmas ornaments for my oldest and none for my little ones. Like it must've been that when I had a baby, so I had a, we got married, but must've been the first Christmas with the baby. He was born in September. So I had a three month old at Christmas time. And so like nine people gave me baby first Christmas, I guess, cause I had a new baby. And uh, it's just really funny. My other kids are like, do we have one of those? I'm like, no, but here, I'll just cross off the date of one of his nine and give it to you. Janelle Hanchett, we had her on the show and she wrote a book called, I'm just happy to be here. Great book, you guys. And she just told this story on her Facebook page this week that her oldest kid had a baby's first Christmas ornament and her second kid was looking for his and there wasn't one. And she sees his face fall and she's like, oh, it must be here somewhere. And then frantically went on eBay and found a, <laughs> a Christmas ornament from several years back so she could she could give it to him. And, you know, like he'd always had it. So we do what we need to do for Christmas magic. We do right? what we need to do. I, I just I think those kind of traditions I mean, there must be some research, Amy. Maybe you can look it up and get back to us on Facebook. Like, there is something about Christmas memories that are so deeply embedded in my brain. Like, the magic of, like, it's the same stuff every year. There is something that I think is so satisfying to the child brain. And I'm saying Christmas, but I think it's the same for Hanukkah or other traditions. Like, it always goes the same. It's a ritual, you know? It is a ritual. I do have some research on that. And how could I have doubted that you had research? Amy? It's, it's, it's research about how the, how the Danes do it. The Danish have 
more darkness, more cold than many of us. And they have a very special belief about this time of year and how you have to do things. So should I tell you about that after the break? Yes, please. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is l-u-m-e-n dot m-e, lumen.me, and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Every kid down in Kidville liked Christmas a lot, but the mom who was just north of 40, did not. The mom hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season, and you needn't ask why, because there were 50 reasons. It could be her paperboy hadn't been paid. It could be that teacher's gifts must be handmade. But I think that the reason her Christmas felt wrong may have been that her list was three miles too long. It was quarter past dawn, all the kids still abed, and the dad still a snooze when she picked up her head with no thought of sleeping, with no thought of self, with no thought of naught but the elf on the shelf who must be arranged in a naughty tableau requiring popsicle sticks and fake snow and a tiny jackknife. Did that even exist? Perhaps it was no surprise this mom was pissed. This is nuts, she said then, standing in her dark kitchen. I'm done with the Rudolph and Dancer and Blitzen. My husband can do it this year, or gee whiz, he's going to find out what a nutcracker is. But then she felt sad, because he was a good guy, and she still hadn't answered the question of why. Why did she bother? Where had it gone wrong? Whither the Christmas of good cheer and song? And the mom, 
with her bare feet ice cold on the floor, stood puzzling and puzzling. What is Christmas for? If there were no packages, boxes, or bows, my kids would wake up and say, this really blows. And I mean, they'd be right. Then I'm stuck in the middle. So what's the solution to this yuletide riddle? And she puzzled ten minutes till her coffee was cold. Then she had inspiration. What if I broke the mold? What if Christmas, she thought, wasn't all done by me? And instead of 18 gifts, my kids each got three. And maybe they're wrapped well, and maybe they're not. And the elf on the shelf stays in one place and rots. And what happened then? Well, on Facebook they say that that mother's trim waist grew three sizes that day, because she ate all the cookies she'd made to exchange. But instead, she just ate them. And here's what's most strange. The world kept revolving. A blue and green ball. And that nice mother had the best Christmas of all. Margaret, I am going to suggest that all of us get a little more Danish this holiday season and try a little Hugo. Do you mean eat a little more Danish? Because I would like to do that. <laughs> that would be very Huga. It's so Huga. I didn't know how to pronounce it until I looked it up for you guys. It's that word you sometimes see on Pinterest, H-Y-G-G-E. Never seen it in my life. Huga. I'm getting this definition from hugahouse.com. You're going to love Huga, Margaret. I feel like it's, I feel like you already are living it and just don't know it. It's all about things that are cozy and comforting. Oh, I'm Huga. I'm all Huga all the time. So Huga. So Huga, it's a Danish word, and it means a feeling or a moment, whether you're alone or you're with friends or you're out or you're at home, and you acknowledge this moment, you say to yourself, this moment is cozy, charming, and special. That's why people love those Hallmark holiday movies. That's right. Hallmark holiday movies like Under a Blanket is Yeah, is that's Huga. Yeah. The way that Huga House explains this, hugahouse.com. If you want to check out like how to have a cozy house, it's a pretty nice website. And they say, okay, this is the Danes incorporate Huga into their daily life. So it becomes a natural extension rather than a forced and stressful event. But it's something that they really prioritize in the dark, cold months of the year is just making the everyday cozy. So like you make tea and you use your a little special teacup, that's Huga. Or like you have friends over and you make the yummy cookies that everybody's going to say, oh, I shouldn't. And then they eat 10 of them. That's that's Huga. I feel, I mean, I know that having recently had a parent who did ancestry that I'm like a thousand percent Irish, but I it must be part Dane somewhere be. because I am all about this. That's what I love about the holidays. And I had no idea we were going to be discussing this. And I just had this like huge revelation. We came back from Thanksgiving we were at a different end of the time zone in Texas and it was light until 5.30, but it was super dark in the morning. So I was waking up in the dark and I was like, oh, I hate this. Then we came home and it was dark at 4.30 and I was like, oh, I hate this too. Like I hate the dark. And we came home and we did the crazy decorating and we have a like an open floor plan house and we have a catwalk over it. And because my kid was super into decorating, we got kind of way more into decorating than I normally would have. And we ran lights and garland. And then we have these candy canes that light up that rim the catwalk. And we have the tree and we have all these lighted things all over. And the first night that we were back in the dark, I came home and I was like, oh, 
wow, this is why people do Christmas lights. Like the house was so bright and we have a deck out front that we had lined all with lights. And, you know, we come home to the house and it's all lit up and beautiful and the fire is going and we come in and there's beautiful colored lights shining everywhere. And I thought, oh, this is a thing for a reason. The depression of the dark is really combated by the like warm, colorful lightedness of the beautiful house. Yeah. Ding, Huga. I didn't know it had a name, but I felt it in my bones. Like, oh, this is why Christmas cheer and like warm, toasty drinks and like, let's come in and have some hot cocoa by the fire. Like we are under this oppressive, depressing darkness, but we're fighting back with Huga. And it also marks the turn, right? Like the sort of pagan traditions. It's like the, you're you're celebrating because this is as bad as it's going to get. This is as short as the day we'll get. We've just had it. And now they're going to start getting longer again. So it's like, we're, we're going to make it. We've, we've, we've hit bottom and we're on our way back up right. out of the canyon. Right, right. And we're going to fight back against it with like all this relentless cheer. I love this. I feel like I'm a person who finds merriness and cheeriness quite annoying. Every other time of the year, but at Christmas, I'm like, I can't get enough of it. You sort of front load in December and then you're just exhausted. Yeah. I'm like, I'm good. I'm cheery. No more merriness and no more cheer, please, for the rest of the year. I only want it from December 1st to January 1st. That's the only time I want cheer. So here's something else I hadn't really thought about. So I, lo- I love this Hugo idea. Like it's one of these things like, yeah, I-, I knew I liked it and I didn't know it was a thing that I was good at, but I'm going to be even better at it now. But, but some people talked about Danielle, and, and she wasn't the only listener, who mentioned something called Christmas Adam. Have you heard this? Had heard this no. before? So, no. there's, so there's Christmas Eve. We always called it Christmas Eve Eve. And she said, we call it Christmas Adam. Because haha, like Adam and Eve. I get it. I get it. It's a pun. I get it. And, and I will say, yeah, like December 23rd, if you have, you know, Santa believers in your house, is when like the fever pitch of anticipation is almost more than is bearable. It's almost better than Christmas, right? Like December 23rd is kind of my favorite day when the kids were little and they were so excited. Well, they've done a ton of happiness studies and they all prove that looking forward to something is your peak of happiness. You're less happy doing it than you are looking forward to doing it. Yeah. We talked about that in one of our episodes, yeah. like planning, planning a big vacation a year out is a good idea because then you'll think about how much you'll enjoy it for a year and half your enjoyment will come from thinking about it. And I think it's important to remember that because especially when you have little kids, Christmas often goes badly. Like it's often a lot of tears. Like it's often hard for kids to check the box that all that anticipation is led up to. And so they sometimes end up very fraught and off on Christmas day. And sometimes I think when I had little ones, I was like, oh, it wasn't a perfect Christmas. It's like, that's fine. If you look at the biology of it, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. The joy is looking forward to it. And it's sometimes hard to match that joy with like the actual, when it's actually happening. Right. At some point, the last present will have been opened and then you're always kind of bummed. Yeah. And that is hard for kids. But you're right. Instead of worrying about trying to make that perfect, which it won't be, then front load and do this Christmas Adam thing. And, and, and it's just, you don't have to, I like this idea because it doesn't mean oh, like you don't have to move the elf on the shelf twice on Christmas Adam. Christmas Adam is just like the kids are out of school. So we wear pajamas all day and we put on 25 days of Christmas on the Freeform channel. And we, we make cookies that are just the Pillsbury kind you cut up and stick in the oven. It doesn't have to be more complicated or more work or more money it's it's about, you know, leaning into the Hugo of it all and, and the hanging out at home. My sister-in-law, Sarah, introduced us to this tradition that they have 
and it's like a big box that you open. We do it on Christmas Eve, but I think it would be better to do it on the 23rd. And it has Christmas pajamas. Again, my kids are now just a little too old for this, but Christmas pajamas, hot cocoa, cookies, and Christmas movies inside the box. And it's kind of a fun, like you open this big box and it's got all this stuff and then you put on the Christmas pajamas and have hot cocoa and cookies and watch movies. It's fun. Do you pack up the box at the end of like, did the Christmas movies and the Christmas books go back in the special box or is it new stuff? I guess it was new stuff, but you could definitely reuse the stuff. Like you can get new hot cocoa mix, but some of it can be the same. Yeah, some of it could be the same. The movies could be the same. I mean, it's just kind of a fun, like, again, it's just leaning into the joy of anticipation because once you realize that like that's where the peak is, it's kind of a fun thing to lean into. That's why I think, you know, running around and looking at Christmas lights and watching the old movies, it's like, oh my God, guys, it's really Christmas. Because Christmas itself tends to get a little bit like, feeding frenzy of unwrapping stuff and then somehow like dark empty hole in your soul returns. One of my sister's-in-law's houses, they open everything at the same time. Like everybody just opens, everybody gets their pile in front of them and then it's just go like you're in minute to win it and everybody just opens their six presents and and you don't see what anybody's getting. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 everybody look. I, f- I feel like um, everybody has to watch everybody open everything that's how my husband's family does it. And it's it's just one of those things. I think this is another thing, like we could do a whole episode on this. It's like holiday traditions at someone else's house. Oh yeah, you're right. Like it's so hard to make that adjustment to like, this is like, no, 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 Christmas. you don't do this. This right. isn't how it goes. Like yeah. I have a cousin who says, I mean, he's 60 maybe, that he drives by his old house all the time. You know, they sold it years and years ago. And he just like, it makes him crazy that the Christmas tree's in the wrong place. He's like, that's not where the Christmas tree goes. Why would you put it there? There's a big window right over there where people on the street could see it. Like it, it kills him that it's in the wrong space. And I do think that's a separate episode, but trying to integrate yourself into your new family's Christmas is challenging. We'll talk about that one next year because you're right. That is a separate issue. But again, you can take the Christmas box and the jammies and the we get under the blanket and watch the Christmas movie. That's also a fairly portable tradition as well. I think the takeaways from today, because there was really nothing to solve, but the takeaways are lean into the anticipation because that's the sweet spot. Beware the accidental tradition because it will, anything that you do around this time of year will become traditional. Realize when things like too many presents, too much plastic junk is creeping in that you can reset that stuff a little bit. Even when you think you can't, right? Even even when you think it's not possible, you can always reset, adjust. You can do it. You can do it. And put up a ton of lights if you have seasonal affective disorder like me, because <laughs> I, I find it's really helping me. <laughs> I want to read what Samara wrote about Elf on the Shelf, because she spoke in praise of Elf on the Shelf, and I thought it was sort of a good reminder. She said, we do Elf on the Shelf. It's a pain, but I'm so glad to do it. They only have that magical belief in the good and spirit of it all untainted while they're young. I will always be happy for that time. And that makes me feel a little sad because you're right. It's short. It doesn't last forever. Soon enough, though, you won't have any Elf on the Shelf believers in your house. So, so do it while you can. I think that's right. And it doesn't have to be Elf on the Shelf. And it's no. never going to be Elf on the Shelf for me. But <laughs> this time is so brief. And it's so magical that like... Find things that are pulling you down and making you miserable and let them go. Maybe that's Christmas cards. And then find things that you love 
and do them or just do them because like burn your hands off making popcorn balls because that's your tradition. Like lean in, enjoy yourself. And you guys, happy holidays. Happy holidays. As always, you guys can find us on Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast and on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast. Show us your holiday traditions on there. You can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And you can find us always on the web at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. And if you want us to have a happy holidays, don't forget to spend your Christmas telling all your relatives gathered around the tree about the What Fresh Hell podcast. <laughs> what gift could be better than screaming, here, let me subscribe you to the What Fresh Hell podcast. Other great thing about that gift, Amy, it's free. And you know, you are just kind of sitting around after the presents. You know, you can save that letdown from being quite so sad by saying, I know what we can do now. Subscribe to the What Fresh Hell podcast. Wouldn't that be Huga? Huga. <laughs> what a holiday tradition you're about to bring. All right, you guys, happy holidays. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.